Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, this uh, month or, and next month, we start a new series called Ears to Hear. Ears to Hear. And we take a look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And so as we go through that, I think uh, a lot of people, including myself, find it hard to understand uh, the book of Revelation. But if we think uh, it too much, because there's so much mystery in it, then we can actually miss the whole lot of what God is saying in the book of Revelation. And so uh, this week I'll give an introduction uh, to that, and almost a warning that forewarned is forearmed. Forewarned is forearmed. And so when you go to war, you plan. You say, be careful because there could be attack from certain sides. Well, as we begin with the first church next week, I want us to lay a decent foundation this week so we don't miss it. So we don't miss it. So there's a number of interpretations, uh, different interpretations, how to understand it. But if we get bogged down on the interpretations and about when the end will be, then we will miss what's going on. Because this book is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does that affect you in February 2019? Well, quite simply that God will overcome, the way he did overcome through Jesus Christ, he will overcome in your life and in my life, and that builds us up. But along the way, there is a warning. Be careful, because... The end is near and prepare for the end while you live your life here on earth. And so God gives a revelation to John. And he gives him this vision of what will take place. And he warns uh, you and I. And so there's a number of interpretations on how to understand the book of Revelation. One of them is the preterist view that everything in the book of Revelation has taken place already. It's quite a difficult view to hold because then we're not too sure how relevant it is. In fact, Martin Luther said it would probably be better if we didn't include the book of Revelation in our preaching because, you know, it's quite a difficult one to understand. And so they're all the events that have taken place in the first century. There's also the historical uh, interpretive method, which is the post-millennial method that at the end of the day, um, Christ will return at the end of the age and usher in uh, his presence. And so there's this whole revelation as a panorama of church history. There's the third uh, view, the idealist view, which most amillennialists hold. Now, all of this, folks, sounds quite confusing, but I think it's important that we just understand that there's a whole lot of different views, that there's no literal millennial Uh, in the reign of Christ, but it's more uh, symbolic and all the stuff that's in the Word of God in the book of Revelation is more metaphorical and symbolic. And then the the futurist view is what we might call the premillennial view that Christ will return and usher in the millennial age. And so when we talk about post-millennial, that essentially means that Christ will come back post the millennium, premillennial, the Christ will come back and take his church, the church will be raptured, and and then the millennium will start. And so there's, there's a tribulation that's involved in that, there's a whole rapture and all the rest. But 
we'll see that as we break this book down, certain things take place. So I want to just read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Revelation 1, verses 1 to 3. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so there's interesting, it's, there's a combination there. The word of God and Jesus Christ. And so what is this word of God all about? Jesus Christ. Already, in the first couple of verses, we see what this book is all about. And he says in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Because the time is near. I want to just share with you a couple of points about this book of Revelation. Firstly, that the word revelation comes from, it's actually the Greek word apokalypsis, where we get the English word apocalypse. Okay? And that comes from two Greek words, apo and kalypto. And so the best way to describe it, if I may, is taking this pot. Apo means from and kalypto unveil. And so essentially what this book of Revelation is about, it's an unveiling. As we take off the lid and we look inside, there seems to be an unveiling of what's inside. Now if my beautiful wife made a big fat Greek soup in here, I would be able to see what's on top. But as I, and hopefully others, eat a little bit lower down, you can see some stuff And we can see a little bit more clearly. But we cannot see what's at the bottom. It's as we eat more and more, it becomes more clearer what is at the bottom. But we will never see what is at the bottom until the very end. Do you see, the more we lift this and time moves on, the more we are understanding what's at the bottom. But only at the very end will we see what's really at the bottom. And it could be the yummiest stuff. Okay, in the meantime, we eat. Get it? Over time, as, we, as God unveils His plan for the world to you and to me, not only are we blessed, but He reveals the awesomeness that's in His plan and purpose. But we will never know what is right at the bottom. You know why? Because we don't need to know. In the meantime, let's enjoy what's in the pot Over time, let's enjoy what's taking place in the kingdom of God. As we have a look at the seven churches in the next seven weeks, let's have a look at what God is saying, because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people want to get stuck into the book so they can see what's going to happen at the end. Friend, the end is beginning to take place right now. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Another point I want to make sure is that we we understand that it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you get some people say, I want to know what's the end or when is the end. 
Well, that's dangerous because if I know my own character and personality, if I know that the end is on Tuesday, guess what? I'm going to go ballistic. I'm going to go crazy. Sunday after church, Monday, and Tuesday morning I'll repent. That's human nature. And so this is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there will be a a clear picture of the character and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. The enthroned Jesus Christ. But that will only take place right at the end. Thirdly, in this unveiling of Jesus Christ, we need to know that it's a book written to servants. To you and to me. It's not to those people who what I might call prophecy junkies who look at every single thing and have a look and go, well, you know what, this took place, and so that means that this is going to take place. I remember when we were, uh, remember the earthquake uh, that took place on the 26th of December 2004 in the Indian Ocean, Um, remember that, that big tsunami that took place? Well, I just went onto the internet and had a look how many huge tsunamis there were, because I remember Marie and I were in Cyprus at the time. We just got married, and we went to go and introduce ourselves to our families in Cyprus. And the tsunami came through the day after Christmas in 2004. And then I was one of them that went, hey, the end is near. Matthew 25 warns us about this. It warns us about this. But as I investigate more clearly, I discovered that, that just un. Since the 1900s, so in the last 112 years, there have been over 50 massive tsunamis that have taken place, which you and I perhaps don't know about, but there have been over 50. So how do we interpret Matthew chapter 25? And there's a danger that we go, the end is near, the end is near, let's be careful because you know what happened? Matthew 25 talks about that. Friends, the end is near since the beginning, and the end is closer than it was yesterday. Does that make sense? It's closer than it was yesterday. Let's roll up the blinds and see that Christ is on His way. He's on His way. So whether you get ready uh, today or tomorrow, you're ready anyway because you're constantly looking out the window because He is on His way. It's about Jesus. It's not about when will the end come. Because if you live about when the end will come, that's a life of fear. Oh, let's see what's at the bottom. No, let's enjoy it now. Let's enjoy it now because Christ is on his way. I remember growing up, young, naughty, kind of first year out of school, and, and you know, you're going into the drinking scene and the clubbing. And so I was at the nightclub the one night, didn't know how to kind of dance too much because all my mates go, have a couple of pints with them and all the rest. And I thought, if Christ comes now, I'm finished. It's a life of fear. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a life lived in the kingdom of God and you love it. You love it. It's not, it shouldn't be fear. It's a life that says, Lord, I love you. You know what? I shouldn't be doing that anyway. I, should, I, I don't belong there, actually. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's a book written to servants like you and like me. Fourthly, I think it talks about soon in verse 1. It talks about soon. It will soon take place. Those two words, soon, en tachos, means it will take place in God's eternal plan and it will take place rapidly. When? We don't know. In fact, Jesus actually said 
that he does not know when the end will come. It will come. Let's enjoy it until it comes. Let's enjoy this pot of soup, of yummy stuff, because it's, it's sustenance, it's nourishment, until he comes. Book is written in AD 90, and so if, if we think that all of this has taken place, then I think we might have missed it. Fifthly, it's um, written by John, John being one of the 12 apostles, and interesting character, John, because he was one of the, the writers of the Gospel of John, certainly 1, 2, and 3 John, uh, those letters that we will study from the following week. And then he his, uh, was sentenced to death as a martyr because of his faith. And it's interesting to note that he was uh, sentenced to be dropped in a big kind of cauldron, as it were, of boiling oil. And church history tells us that he lived and survived after they put him in. And so uh, it was called the principle of double, double jeopardy. If you were sentenced to martyrdom or to death and you survived, then they couldn't do that again to you. So he was uh, sent off to the Isle of Patmos, this rocky island in the Aegean Sea. And so that's where he eventually was re- received this vision from God, this revelation, as it were, and then uh, died there of old age. And the final point I just want to make is that it's the only promise in the New Testament that says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, blessed are those who hear it. The only place in Scripture in the New Testament where you find this promise of a blessing that, listen, he who has ears, let them hear. He who has ears, let them hear. And so this word blessed in the Greek is the word makarios, which means happy, well-off. Fortunate, You've been added to if you open your ears and hear what God is saying to the churches and to you and to me. If you hear it, the word hear there is the word akuo, where we get the English word acoustic, something with sound. Listen, it's more than that. You will be added to when you open your ears and hear what God is saying. It's more than just hear. It's to hear and understand. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is involved in this. To hear and understand, amongst all the noise in the world, attend to what God is saying. Listen up to what God is saying. At, um, at a church that I served at, Riverton Baptist, they've got a hearing ring. And I know they've got one at Burragoon. So those with hearing aids have to sit near the hearing ring. We don't have it here because I shout in this church, so we don't need one. But, um, you know, there's a hearing ring. Listen, if you don't sit close enough to the hearing ring, you won't hear what's being said. You know what? If you don't turn on your spiritual hearing aid, if you like, you won't hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I think that is important to understand as we go through these seven books. There's one beautiful key verse, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, that says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what what will take place. And so three important points there in understanding this book of Revelation, as I said, a foundation. Um, John is to write about three things. Firstly, the things that you have seen, 
And that's the first chapter. The things that you have seen. You know, the, the vision of the glorified Christ is what he's talking about there. This understanding, what have you seen? Well, of who Jesus Christ is. And folk, the word glorified comes from the word glory. And the word glory means to exalt. The exalted Christ. Because when you, the, the word glory in the Greek, doxa means presence and glorified. And so when you sense the presence of God in your midst, the presence of Jesus Christ in your midst, there's only one word you respond with. Wow. Or magnificence. Or whatever it might be. But it's this awe. A-W-E. Awe of how amazing God is. The outcome of that is glorification. Which means to make the name of Jesus famous. And so when Christ comes in, as, as John r- reveals who Christ is, the glorified Christ, wow, we make him famous in our lives, in our churches we gather, in Kublap, in Perth, to the ends of the earth. And so understand that it's about Jesus Christ. But secondly, also about the present. What is now? The seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. And we'll deal with that in the next seven weeks. Those seven churches uh, that, that speaks about you and I. And so he's writing to you and to me. And I want you to observe and listen up the next seven weeks, please. To try and observe where you are in your life and where we are as a church. Are we this particular church or are we that particular church? Are we a bit of this church and a lot of that church? Is your life a little bit of this and a lot of that? Where are we as a church and where are you as an individual in the next seven weeks? Because that's what the series is all about. And then he says about the future. What will take place after this? The meta after. After these things as it were. Meta, meta, after, and tafta, these things. What will take place? So from, verse, from chapter 4... So chapter 1 is about the glorified Christ. Chapter 2 and 3 about the seven churches. And chapter 4 all the way to 22 to the end of the book is about what will take place in the end. So I want to be, I don't want to sound silly. But be careful you don't get too paranoid about what's from chapter 4 to 22. And you go, you know what, this is what, this is what happened yesterday. You know, in Townsville there's floods. Queensland, there was a guy that closed off the airport. The end is near. My friend, it's more. It's closer than that. It's closer than yesterday. The end today is closer than yesterday. Obvious. But keep up to what's going on in the world around, but don't be obsessed with it because the obsession should be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of that will take place. Let's be observant. Let's hear what the Lord is saying. But let's not get paranoid about it because we can get stuck in that paranoia. Who are the recipients? The recipients, well, I've got a map up there. And you'll see that, that it was seven churches that were located uh, in, in Asia Minor. And so it's not buildings because those days they never met in buildings. They met in house churches. And so God is giving this vision to John about Jesus Christ to individuals. And that's important to understand. 
individuals that were going through a hard time. Major persecution was taking place, as we know. Uh, There were certain things that were not good. There was a whole lot of mystery religions. Uh, And they were saying, you know what, the more you don't understand it, the more spiritual you are. Uh, The more you begin to sin, the more you turn God on. Uh, The more you do bad stuff, the more God can show grace to you. That's a warped understanding, you see. And so what he's writing here, he's saying, listen, be encouraged because ultimate uh, victory is yours through Jesus Christ. Whether it's in a hundred years' time and you're alive or whether it's in two weeks' time, ultimate victory is yours in this Trauma that you're going through, in this difficulty, he's saying, in the midst of these multiple and and mysterious and popular religions, in the midst of slavery, know that God is in charge and you will come out on top. The clash that took place on Calvary guarantees that. It's true, it will happen, the end is near. And so he writes to these people and he says, listen, he who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And so he writes to those seven churches uh, of the book of Revelation, and he says, uh, listen, Ephesus, be careful. Just a simple summary, because next week I'll be, I'll be uh, touching on, on the church in Ephesus, and uh, the first seven verses there are all about they lost their first love. And listen, it's sad. And I just think, Lord, what are you saying? If I, for example... Uh, married my wife because I loved her or love her more and more, but I lose it, there's a danger there because there's a broken relationship. Okay, so what he's saying is there, be careful that you don't lose your first love. Your love with your relationship with God. And so he ends off that first section in the first seven verses, verse seven. Let he who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. Be careful. The second church Uh, Just a a quick summary, Smyrna, uh, poor and powerless church. Poor because they chose to be poor, powerless because they chose to be powerless. Okay, and so what what is the message there? And Michael will be preaching on that, I think. Um, But at the end of verse uh, 11 there, let he who have ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, open them up. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Smyrna, uh, sorry, Pergamos. Uh, full of immorality, a very worldly church. They thought they were good. This church reminds me of my late dad. Such a clever man, but a major, major drinking problem. And before he knew it, he died of cirrhosis of the liver. So sad. He stopped drinking. Two weeks later, he was dead. Such a clever man. But sadly, you know, when, when it takes over your life, The end is finished for you. Verse 17, let those, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Thyatira, filled with false prophets. In other words, they tolerated immorality and they tolerated any form of rubbish from the pulpit, if you like. Any form of teaching. And folk, can I say this? I hope we are found faithful in preaching the unadulterated gospel from this church. And if God does not allow that to take place, may we who preach be removed 
And I'm, I know Michael will say amen to that. I certainly put my hand up and say, Lord, if I cannot preach this faithfully, remove me and put somebody who can. We tolerate too much rubbish from the pulpit. Sardis, spiritually dead. Sadly, spiritually dead. They were doing so much stuff, but actually they were dead inside. A beautiful tree doing so much, but if you open up the trunk, it's dead. The one day, it'll just fall over. But it looks good, but empty inside. Church in Philadelphia, the alive church, the church with an open door. And God said, I will protect you. Why? Because you're alive and well, because you serve me faithfully. And then the last one, Laodicea, the lukewarm and neutral church. A church that actually was filled with apathy. Folk, let he who have ears, let them hear. I think... Let me ask you the question, what is the opposite of love? Well, everybody would probably say hate. What is the opposite of hate? I suppose it's love. I suggest to you the opposite of love and the opposite of hate is apathy. Apathy, just doing nothing. The word pathos is the word passion, to give of yourself to receive from others, but the word apathy, put that little A in front of it, and that just knocks everything out the window. Let us be careful, because that apathy, that lukewarmness, makes God ill, if you like. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Ears, the verse that's used there at the end of chapter 3, verse 29, physically, mentally, spiritually. Whoever has physical, mental, spiritual ears to hear, accord, and understand what the Spirit says, the word says there, lego, I don't know if we get the English word lego, that, you know, those little blocks, but it's essentially it's a building up, it's a building up to hear what the Spirit is speaking. It's advice, it's not just good news, it's life, it's life to you and to me. And so I pray that in the next seven weeks, as we look at each one of those churches, I can examine my own heart and I can kind of put a a bit of a pulse on where our church is because then we need to take action or else we're not hearing what the Spirit of the Lord says. Let's pray together as we uh, participate in communion. Father, thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we long to serve you and we are able to serve you. So, Lord, as we lift the lid off the pot in the next seven weeks, we pray that you will reveal yourself to us and who you are. Guide us, lead us. We are desperately in need of you. Come and reveal yourself to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Folk, Michael and I are going to stand in the front and serve you, so won't you come forward? But before I do that, this week I was speaking to a friend of mine, and uh, he said that he fell off his bicycle. So I said, wow, that's extremely sad. And uh, I said, so what injuries? He said he hurt his hip. And I said, how fast were you going? He said, I was standing still. But he wasn't able to get his, you know those fancy shoes that 
those cleats, I think they call them, out of the actual pedal. And I said to him, I said, sir, what did you learn out of that? He said, I must listen to what other people have to say. Because I think I'm okay, but I'm actually not. I need to take my feet out before I stop, not when I stop. Does that make sense? May we be forearmed, or sorry, forewarned, because then we are forearmed with reference to what God has on the spiritual journey of life that we walk with Him. As we look at these seven books, may we take our spiritual feet out of those cleats before we stop, before we run into a wall, before we fall over, because forewarned is forearmed. And may we hear what the Spirit says to us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he said, This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way he took the cup. He said, This is a new covenant. New covenant. This is a new promise. The old is history. The new has come. Come and take what I have for you. So I'm going to ask you to come forward after I pray. Come, take bread, take juice, and go back to your seat, and we'll eat and drink together as a sign of our unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, make right with God. Make right with God. And then during uh, that, we're going to sing that Christ is enough. And I know that that's my heart's desire. Lord, speak, because you are enough. And we'll be singing that in the background. Father, as we take of this bread and drink of this cup, I pray, Lord, by your Spirit that you will reveal that you are enough for us. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be found faithful in doing what you've called us to do. Not by might, Lord, not by power, Lord, not in our own strength, Lord, but only by your Spirit. So come and fill us afresh, Lord, with your Spirit to hear, to see what you have for us as individuals, and as a church, for your fame, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.